Holy Spirit. Man, that, did you guys like that song? I love that song. Holy Spirit, living breath of God. Breathe new life into my willing soul. Bring the presence of the risen Lord to renew my heart and make me whole. Cause your word to come alive in me. Give me faith for what I cannot see. Give me passion for your purity. Holy Spirit, breath, breathe new life in me. Holy Spirit, come abide within. May your joy be seen in all I do. Love enough to cover every sin in each thought and deed and attitude. Kindness to the greatest and the least. Gentleness that shows the path of peace. Turn my strivings into works of grace. Breath of God. Show Christ in all I do. Why don't you pray with me? Father, we are a people most desperate to hear your word. And that is this, this aspect of living. It is not just meetings. It is not just gatherings. It is not just the opening of your word, but it is the power of your Holy Spirit. Desiring to make much of Christ, glorifying Christ in our hearts, in our lives, in our words, and in our actions, in our attitudes. And then us, Lord, taking that gospel that you have us to do and to share it and to love folks and to give them the gospel of peace. We pray this morning that your word, as we look into the ministries of the Holy Spirit, would would just revive us and refresh us. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would do what only you can do. We cannot force the word of God in someone's heart. We cannot regenerate, as Ty has said. We cannot do that work. It's solely your work. We cannot encourage that has any real lasting effect. We cannot convict that has any real turning effect. It's got to be your word. It's got to be your word taken by the Spirit of God. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, come. Take the things of Christ. Press them into our hearts such that we cannot but live and love this Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have been going through our distinctives of our local church. And again, this has been uh, how we do ministry, what we think, what our convictions on what Scripture says. And they dictate how we operate as a church. And so this is the ministries of the Holy Spirit. And as I was doing this sermon, I hope you will have patience with me. But I think I'm going to have to do a part three. So this is going to be part two. And I'm going to do a part three later on um, next week. But as you remember, as by way of review, we've had our distinctives. And we've been talking about what discipleship means. Uh, what fellowship and the body life means. What do we believe about leadership training? And the pouring into uh, folks. What is congregational worship in music? Why is it so important? 
what is expository preaching as we draw out the meaning of a text and we proclaim that? What does it mean to be Christ-centered in our thinking, in our theology, in our decision-making? And now we've been talking about the ministries of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Holy Spirit as a helper, as the illumination of God's word, as the one who mediates the presence of Christ. And we're going to be talking about spirit filling and spirit empowering. And that's, that's going to take up our next two weeks. But really what we're talking about is depending on the spirit to grow as a Christian and mature in our walks. And secondly, it's also to depend on the spirit to do the work of the ministry. This is his ministry. And in fact, we don't think to say, we don't believe that there is a formula to ministry except that which is the principles that we are to follow. Our goal as a church is to be faithful to what God has called us to do. We don't believe in formulas. We don't believe in man-centered gatherings. We don't believe in uh, an attractional, as some folks have said, an attractional type of ministry. We believe simply in the simple means by which God has outlined in his scripture. And we, we endeavor to do that as a church. But having said that, these simple graces will have no effect on our hearts unless the Holy Spirit works mightily in his people. The world still believes that man can change himself. I mean, how many times have you looked at Instagram and seen, oh, you could change yourself. You could do this. You could change yourself, mold yourself, turn over a new leaf. But to become more moral or to become more good in your own terms and in your own power. And in reality, you know, as you follow that, as you attempt really with all the best intentions in the world, you are caught up and you look at the standard that you have made and you know that you can't even meet your own standards. Not only this, that you can serve God or some deity or some higher good with the right motive of wanting to glorify God and that all it takes is some bit of grit and ingenuity that you can better your own mental health or that you could better your own community or that you could better your own society. And we're still where we are today. We are left with the reality that I, I, as I look into the mirror, that I really can't turn over a new leaf. I don't know if you've been there yet, and you've really, really tried. I'm trying to be a better man. I'm trying to be a better woman. I'm trying to be a better son, or I'm a better daughter, and I just, I, I keep having to do these things, and I try really hard in the beginning, but I realize that I really can't with all my efforts. With all my power, I can't change. My sins, though I may not admit it to anyone in this world, still follow me. And on the outside, I keep saying, I can do it, I can do it, I can change. But on the inside, I know, I know I cannot. Or maybe perhaps... You are a Christian and you do have the Holy Spirit of Christ, but you might come in here this morning just feeling defeated. You might come in here feeling weak. Or you might be someone who's saying, I'm succumbing to my emotions to want to just ball up and no longer give of my time, of my talent, and in my resources. I mean, what's the use? What's the use, anyways? I'm just defeated. 
But brothers and sisters, those who know the Lord, I want to say this to you this morning. I'm here to tell you that this morning that not only has Christ provided salvation, but he has also provided his word and he has provided his Holy Spirit. It is by the Spirit of God that you will grow in more Christ-likeness. It is by the Spirit of God that you will grow in Christ's ministry to serve him. And for those of you who are visiting who may not know the Lord Jesus Christ and are still wondering what this is, what this Christianity is about, what I am describing is this whole other experience that really can't, I could explain to you, but you can't very much kind of like if you've never tasted honey from the honeycomb. I could explain it to you, but you can't really understand it until you bite into it. And so even this power of the Holy Spirit, the power of of walking in Christ, the filling of the Holy Spirit, all these terms as we talk about this, none of this comes until you first believe and repent of your sins and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. But having said that, God gave you the Holy Spirit to grow in Christ dramatically and to minister in the name of Christ effectively. To grow in Christ dramatically and to minister in the name of Christ effectively. You cannot grow. There is no growing in Christ apart from the Holy Spirit. You could take whatever classes you want. You could have as much theology as you want. There is no growth in love and patience and kindness without the Holy Spirit. Now, there are many ministries of the Holy Spirit. As we have seen, Brother Ty taught in our equipping hour just before today. As a summary, I could say, and I can give you the verses, but I'll just very briefly say he adopts, he baptizes, he bears witness, he calls to ministry, he convicts, he guarantees, he guards, he helps, he illuminates, he indwells, he intercedes, he leads, he produces fruit, he provides spiritual character, he regenerates, he reminds, he restrains, convicts of sin, he resurrects, he reveals truth, he sanctifies, he seals, he selects overseers, he sends and strengthens and teaches... The Holy Spirit is a source of fellowship, liberty, life and peace, power, spiritual gifts, truth, unity, wisdom, and worship. Apart from the Holy Spirit, the church cannot go forward. But of all these things, we'll be looking on two or two of these ministries of the Holy Spirit, not mentioned as in that list, spirit filling and spirit empowering. Now, I don't know if we're going to get to spirit empowering. I really want to look at what spirit filling is. Um, Brother Jeremy, is the AC on? Because I'm kind of hot. Or is it just me? I had two cups of coffee, right? Um, To grow in Christ dramatically and to minister in the name effectively, you need to be acutely aware of the work of the Holy Spirit. Number one. Number one. So rely on the Holy Spirit to change. Rely on the Holy Spirit to change. This is called spirit filling. Brother Ty was talking and he taught on this. And and I'm going to just help flesh it out and then give a different aspect later on. Why do I say rely on the Holy Spirit to change? And why do we need to change? 
Well, God says when he saves us, as, as I give the gospel, when someone comes to Christ, we, we understand that someone else gives them the gospel that God created you to glorify him. That is the purpose of your life. You have a higher purpose if you don't know that. Your purpose is to give God the glory. It is in line with the whole universe, whole universal creation. But we have fallen short of that, and we've chased our own ways. We chase our own idols, and that's called sin. And the Bible says that because of sin, we are separate from God forever. But, uh, but left to ourselves, but God himself sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come, to be put on flesh, and to bear the penalty of our sin on the cross. And the Bible says if you would have faith in him, that is to trust only in him, and to repent of your sins, that is to turn away from the world and your own sin, the Bible says you will be saved. And therein is the beginning of the spiritual life. When you come to Christ and you surrender your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and what Ty says, regenerates you. But there is this ongoing life that is called spirit filling. Would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5? We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5. It's a famous verse on the spirit filling. While we are born and regenerated, reborn in the spirit, that is a one-time act of God, there is a filling of the Spirit, which is an ongoing present reality, an ongoing present mandate. Now notice, he says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Now this is a very, very full verse. What is spirit filling? Well, this spirit filling, there are two main words that are used in the New Testament. Okay, We're going to call this spirit filling. And this Greek word is the word plerao. Okay? Plerao. Now plerao... Uh, plerao is a permeation to be completely filled, to bring to completion, to realize. It's almost like if you have ever, sometimes I have plants and I don't want them to die and I go on vacation. And so I look at, oh, how do I keep it watered without it overflowing? And so sometimes they would have a house plant here and then they would have some water here. And then they say, oh, put a rag in one of them and then put the point of the rag into the other pot and as the water the water is going to get sucked up and permeated through the rag and it's going to water the plant and that's very much what the uh, kind of the picture that God is giving us that the Holy Spirit would permeate through all of your life that he would dominate all of your life your thinking your attitudes the way you speak the way you deal with people that the Holy Spirit would have reign so what is spirit filling? Plerao, spirit filling. Here's the definition. It is the ongoing present mandate upon the Christian to saturate himself or herself in the word of God and yield to the Holy Spirit's will as outlined in scripture. And I'll say that again. Spirit filling, plerao, is the ongoing present mandate upon the Christian to saturate himself or herself in the word of God and yield to the Holy Spirit's will as outlined in scripture. I say it's on, ongoing 
because this is something you still continually uh, experience as a Christian. For your whole life as a Christian. If you've turned to Christ. I want to continually be filled with the spirit. It is a mandate because God orders it. It is a saturation because it does not come apart from the word of God. It is a, someone who has given their minds to the word of God. So that they could be reprogrammed away from sin and away from this world. That my mind would be transformed with the word of God. And now I see all of life filtered through the lens of Scripture. Because before I was saved, my thinking, my thoughts, my morality, my standards were messed up. And what God does in regeneration by the Holy Spirit, He saves you, He changes you, and there needs to be this inner working of changing in your mind. And I say the word of God and I say, and yield to the Holy Spirit's will as outlined in scripture. It's not enough simply to hear the word of God, to know the word of God, to hear me preach it, for you to say doctrine and not live it. And it's quite simply, do you walk the talk? So it is the ongoing present mandate upon the Christian to saturate himself or herself in the word of God and yield to the Holy Spirit's will as outlined in scripture. That's what filling is. I am opening myself up to his word to take, I want him to take more of me that I might glorify more of Christ. I want and I invite him to change the way I think because I am not thinking about this clearly. I'm not thinking about this relationship clearly. I am having this emotion and I'm angry about some reason. And there's really no reason for you to be angry. Have you ever been there? Or is it just me? I'm completely angry. My wife says, why are you angry? And she starts to talk about it and look at the There is no reason for me to be angry. It's because my mind is not reformatted to the word of God. And sometimes you could even logically explain to someone why they should not be angry. And yet their emotions are taking over and they are not thinking right. And yet that person is not spirit filled at the moment. Spirit filling is a temporal thing. You can have it one day and you cannot have it another day. Whereas spirit baptism, spirit sealing, spirit, all of the other ones are a one time gift of, the, of God. That is with you permanently. But filling is something we are mandated. We are commanded to pursue as Christians. It is not unknown. It is not nebulous. It is not a fog. It's not ambiguous. It's very clear and verifiable. So let's take a look. There are two terms and phrases. And the first one is in Ephesians chapter 5.18. Filled, play raw, oh, with the spirit. He says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God. Even the Father and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Now you look at this and you go, okay, how is this all related? As we talked about it, filled is to be filled up completely, to be brought to completion, to realize. It's a complete permeation. But the case of the verb, the case, the tense, the parsing we would call it grammatically is the second person plural imperative. And I like to say this all the time. It's the second person plural. 
It is the you all or the y'all. Y'all do this. All of y'all, if you're from Vallejo, all of y'all, if you're from Texas, y'all, right? You all be filled. So a lot of times we would look at this text. It says, uh, it says, be filled with the spirit. You would think it's personally, and it is personally, but he's saying corporately, the body of Christ, church in Ephesus, all of you strive to be filled in the spirit. And in fact, if it's a command, think about it logically. If it's a command to be filled and you are not filled, what is that? That is sin. I'm refusing to be filled, God. I don't want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice it's commanded for all the church. And he uses an illustration such that it is compared to wine. Do not be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with spirit. Wine, as we know, alcohol, as we know, has its intoxicating effects, which in excess leads to dissipation or waste. Dissipation means recklessness, wasteful, debauched. You are drunk. There is, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of efforts. It's a waste of, of, of life. And it leads to more and more debauched sin. What he's saying is that wine controls and leads to dissipation. And and what he's saying is also, and he's comparing that to wine, he says that the spirit permeates and controls. Just as wine permeates and controls, that's why we have a blood alcohol level, right? It's all up in your body, right? The spirit permeates and controls. He says, don't be drunk with wine or substances or any other of those things. Don't give yourself, don't give your control over to other substances. If you're going to give yourself to something, give yourself to the spirit of God. Let him control you. You will never be led wrong. Let him compel you. Let him propel you. You'll never be led wrong. And the spirit permeates and controls and it leads to two results. Notice, I'm not going to go into it as much, but it leads to joyful biblical singing. Notice in verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Brother Andre preached a great sermon on what it means to be filled with the word of Christ and to sing. Singing for us in, in RBC is not, oh, it's just an introductory thing that we have to get over so we could get to the preaching. All of this, brothers and sisters, is all worship. Singing is worship. Preaching is worship. Hearing the word of God is worship. Praying the word of God is worship. All of it is corporate worship. And so what the Bible is saying is a person who is dominated by the Holy Spirit, man, woman, child, little girl, little boy, anyone who is dominated, anyone who is filled with the Spirit, sings. Now, they may not sing with a good voice. They may not keep a note or keep a tune. But I'll tell you what. That voice with the heart that beats after God is beautiful to him. Did you guys like that song? There was this time in this sweetness that all of us were sharing in. Isn't that right? And what happens is as we allow the word of God in our lives... 
and you sing the word of God, it becomes connected, and now you know what that song means, and your heart exalts in Jesus Christ. That's, that's, that's the event of what happens. So what, one of the first things that happens is when you are saved and you are filled with the Spirit of God, you can't help but sing. Well, I don't have a voice to sing. Doesn't matter. You can't help but sing. I have friends who said, I hate singing. I think singing is feminine. That's what my, my friend said. It's feminine for girls. And all he does now is play guitar, sing, and cry all, all the time. Because he was saved. Christ knows how to teach you how to sing. He does. Now, it's not only joyful biblical singing, but what happens to a person is they start to live. If they are spirit-filled, they start to work this hard work called living godly, Christ-honoring relationships. The spirit-filled person desires to live in godly, Christ-honoring relationships. It's amazing because the Apostle Paul puts all of the toughest relationships here. He doesn't put your fishing buddy, because, you know, your fishing buddy, you're almost never mad at your fishing buddy. He doesn't put your sports team, because we have fun all the time when we're doing sports, and then you go home. He puts the most trying Difficult relationships, the kind of relationships that you cannot hide from. And he says that the Spirit of God will help you honor Christ in those relationships. So you notice he says, in fact, Paul is saying, if you are not constantly filled, play ra'o, with the Spirit of God, you are not constantly controlled, you're not constantly yielded to the Spirit of God, then your sin will ruin your relationships. You know this to be the truth. Your sin will ruin your relationships. That's why the tension in your house can be cut with a knife. That's why none of you back down, ever. There's an argument and there's a fight and you don't back down. None of you ever take the low road. None of you ever submit to one another. It's always there. And no one's going to change unless the Spirit of God comes into that home. Unless someone bows the knee to Christ. Because it's not until someone bows the knee to Christ they realize there is something bigger here. It's not that I have to win this argument. It's I have to serve and honor Christ. That's more important. So the spirit-filled person exhibits itself in these relationships. There's a, there's a lot of folks who say, I'm spirit-filled, I'm spirit-filled, and they, don't, they live like the devil. I don't believe you. Oh, did I say that? You're so judgmental, Angelo. Well, that's what the Bible says. Look at verse 22. Right after he said, being filled with the Spirit, giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, now, this is how the Spirit-filled person lives. Sometimes people or Bible teachers will start at verse 22 without starting in verse 18. That's where the power comes from. You start at verse 22, everyone's going to have a quick start and then a failure. Because they're not starting With the Spirit of God energizing, strengthening, informing, teaching them, convicting them. Notice verse 22. 
Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. That is impossible as it was back then. It's impossible today without the Spirit of God. Wives, if you are not constantly filled with the Spirit of God, there is no way you would be able to submit to your squirrely husband. To your sometimes disobedient husband. Because why? The spirit-filled wife looks at the situation, knows what's at stake, and says, I am not submitting to this man as long as he's not asking you to sin. I'm not submitting to this man. I am submitting as an honoring aroma to, what does it say? As to the Lord. And no woman can do this apart from the filling of the Holy Spirit. Notice verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. See, that's not fair. Husbands are head of the wives. Now look, keep reading. But as the church is subject to their crisis, so is, so is also the wives ought to be to their own husbands. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The mandate for husbands in the family structure is to die to their wives in love. That is the high calling. Just as Christ gave himself up for the church, so husbands ought to be sacrificial for their wives. Wives, don't be elbowing your husband now. None of this, okay? Not, don't do that, okay? <laughs> We're just looking at the word of God. All right? That's what it says. So let me tell you, men, husbands, if you are not constantly filled with the Spirit of God, there is no way you're going to give yourself up for her. You're not going to give up your money. You're not going to give up your time. You're not going to give up your hobbies. You're not going to give up your career for your wife. You won't do it. You'll hold on to it even if it destroys your family. And it has to be, well, what's going to make me want to do that? I see the Christ and I'm filled with Christ and I saw what he did for the church. I lay down my life for my wife. And I'll tell you what, it's been my experience as a pastor. You lay down your wife in love you lay down your life for your wife in love, husbands. She's going to want to submit to you. What kind of woman wouldn't want to? I'm going to follow you, honey. You have my, you have my interests in mind. You love me. You want to protect me. Yes, I'll follow you. You know that's the design of marriage. I don't care what the world's saying. You know that's the design of marriage. Thirdly, children, you need to be filled with the Spirit or you won't be able to do chapter 6, verse, verse 1 to 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Notice, again, he connects it. Children, obey your parents. He doesn't say it as a cold moral thing, as a cold principle. He says, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In the Lord. 
You mean children need the Spirit of God to obey their parents? Yes. Oh, let me tell you, parents. We were, we were, we were talking to our kids yesterday, and we were saying, we, we need to learn too. Parents are still learning. They were like, what? Parents are learning? You guys should know all of this. Well, you know what? I don't. I don't know all of this. And I'm learning. And as we learn, I hope you would have patience with us. So as they, how do they have patience with us as fallible dads and fallible moms? They need the Spirit of God. Because sometimes we're fickle. And sometimes we're inconsistent. And sometimes we're not as godly as we need to be. Sometimes we're not filled with the Spirit and our kids are. Praise the Lord for that, huh? So now... Fathers, verse 4, notice he says, Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What is going to impel their fathers to disciple their own kids? Some fathers don't even talk about the word of God with their own kids. They think the church, that's what the church does, but I don't do it. I don't, I'm not going to give him, I'm not going to give him instruction of the Lord. I'm not going to discipline in the Lord. I'm going to let them do whatever I want, whatever they want. Oh, it's their decision. I'm going to let them do whatever they want. Sure. Go ahead. Don't discipline your kids. Go ahead. And don't, uh, don't make it uh, important for them to listen to you. Go ahead and watch what happens when he's out in the street and the cops arrest him. And will he listen? Go for it. The Bible says fathers will have their hearts towards their kids. He will turn the father's hearts towards their children. And fathers, I'll tell you, you're going to lose patience. You're not going to speak kindly. You're not going to speak instructively from the word of God. Unless you are spirit filled. How about employees or students? Notice he says there's a relationship there. Slaves, verse 5, be obedient to those who are masters according to the flesh. Now, folks who don't know what... Uh, history is. They look at that and say, what? The Bible is talking about slavery? No, he's not. He's not uh, agreeing with slavery. He's just stating the facts of what society is like. Society was run by slaves at that time. That was the work structure. And a lot of Americans, sometimes we look at that and we don't understand that. I'll tell you, I didn't understand that until I lived in a country that was really servant-based. Everyone had servants. If you didn't have a servant, there was no way you could operate in the house. And I thought it was weird because I'm from America and I fix everything, right? I do everything. DIY, right? Go to Lowe's, right? And I, I fix and do everything. Whereas back in some certain countries, that's not the case, okay? Only they have the access to the tools and access to the skills and access to the materials. But having said that, it's a good measure to compare this to employees or students because that's really the work structure here. Slaves or employees or students to their teachers. Be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. So what he's saying here is if you're the employee or if... The student is filled with the Spirit. They do things 
they work in such a manner that brings glory to Christ. We talked about this in our college and career ministry last night. They don't care who's, who's looking because they know ultimately they are working for God. And I, I could talk to anyone in any field. Everybody knows somebody who only works when the boss is looking. Come on. Is that true? You got friends and uh, oh, all of a sudden they're, they're working. Because they're eye pleasers. And yet God says, God says, I'm going to work the spirit-filled person, the spirit-filled employee is going to work and honor Christ whether or not anyone looks, whether or not they get recognition. And then in verse 9, the same with bosses. It says here uh, in verse 9, and masters do the same thing to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no partiality with them. How are you going to be a boss in a Christ-honoring way? You can't do it without the Spirit of God. Now, notice he continues. And I want you to see this connection. He tells you to be Spirit-filled in verse 18. He gives you the hardest relationships. The relationships you can't hide in. Got it? The relationships you can't hide in. And then... He talks about spiritual battle. Now, everybody likes to talk about spiritual battle in verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. This is the mandate given to Christians. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. He's saying, get ready to fight. But not fight with armor, not fight with weapons, but you fight this spiritual battle. He says, therefore take up the full armor of God so you'll be able to resist in the evil day. Stand firm, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all... Taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And notice he's saying now, this is how you are ready to fight. And he tells you to put on the spiritual armor. And we know this from Sunday school. As, as kids grow up, there's all these pictures of people wearing spiritual armor and spiritual breastplate and a spiritual helmet and everything like that. But I, one thing I want to point out to you before we move on. Is that the only offensive weapon given for spiritual battle. And by the way spiritual battle does not mean I'm casting out demons. I'm going to different neighborhoods. And, and calling out territorial demons. All it is saying is that I am going to stand firm in the strength of his might. That's what spiritual battle is. I'm going to still believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Come what may. And he says... The only offensive weapon, if you look very carefully, is verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and, he says here, the sword of the Spirit. Now, what's the sword? It's the Word of God. Okay. Interesting. So, we, give, we got a little background of Ephesians. That the filling causes us to sing. It causes us to have relationships that want to honor Christ. Because I know I'm not living right. I have to live right. Because if I love Christ, that's what I want to do. 
And it causes us to be able to fight. Huh. Now, you might be sitting there. Angelo, I thought this was about the filling of the Spirit. Now we're talking about swords and stuff. This may all sound well and good. And you may be sitting there, yes, I want to be filled with the Spirit and yes, I want him to permeate through me and control me. And yes, I want to be a spirit-filled wife or husband or child or father or employee or student or boss. And yes, I want to be able to fight spiritual battles and prevail in Christ. And I know that spiritual filling is this ongoing present mandate. How do I get it? How do I get that? How do I get being spirit-filled? Is it a feeling when God leads me? Oh, now I know God's leading me. I just kind of feel, feel that. Because, no, because feelings are only effects of ideas or concepts in the mind that you hold. Is it a series of favorable coincidences? You know, when people say, it must be the will of God because all of these things lined up. That's not necessarily true. In fact, that's very dangerous to live that way. Is it some test that you give God, like you put a fleece to see if it's the spirit-filled path and it gets wet, and then if it's wet, then it's the, it's the will of God? No, because many Christians, many Christians have been misled by these things and not really a proper understanding of what it means to be spirit-filled. In fact, that's more pagan than it is biblical. So let's look at a parallel passage that uh, Brother Ty taught on in Colossians chapter 3. Now we remember the elements of Ephesians, but let's go to Colossians. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17. And now it says verse 16 and 17. Interesting. Very, very interesting. It says, let the word of Christ Richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Here it is. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness. Interesting. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why, why do they call it a parallel passage? Because it has the same elements. So there's this joyful singing. Look at verse 18. Wives, be subject to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, be obedient. Fathers, do not exasperate. Slaves, masters. It looks just like Ephesians. Because it's a parallel passage. And just by doing a little bit of Bible study, it gives us great insight. So all the elements of singing and all of the relationships in Ephesians... And all the elements of singing and all of the relationships in Colossians, they're one and the same. So what does being filled with the Spirit mean? Being filled with the Spirit is the same as letting the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. That's what the Spirit filled with the Spirit. Because as you let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you, you allow the thoughts of God to reorder your mind. And you allow the thoughts of God to control your life. 
and you are now controlled by what he wants, by what he desires. You are repelled by what he hates. You turn away by, from what he hates. And you notice it is not that the, the word and the spirit are mutually exclusive. This is what a lot of Christians and a lot of churches do. Well, the singing was so great, we didn't even get to the word. The spirit was so strong, we didn't even get to the word. Then you, had, you didn't have the spirit. Because the spirit and the word always work together. They always work together. In fact, if you want more of the spirit, you get more of the word. The only way to get more of the Spirit, have Him fill you, permeate you more, is to take in, to digest, to think, to meditate, to treasure, to hear the word of Christ, to let it richly dwell within you. Now this makes sense. Remember three weeks ago, we looked at John 15. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of what? Truth. The Holy Spirit works with the word of God all the time. You want more of the Spirit stealing and working in your life? You gotta have more of the Word. You, the Word never works apart from the Spirit. And I'll prove it to you. Remember Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 3? Even from the beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. The Spirit was moving. But God said everywhere the word. The Spirit does not work apart from the word of God. So if you're sitting there as a Christian and thinking, I need to be filled in the Spirit and I'm not giving myself to the word of God. Or maybe you're going to work, going to school, and you're not feeling the freshness of Christ. You're just kind of just going through the motions. You go to church, but... You might do stuff in the church and you're just going through the motions. Why am I not feeling this freshness? My first question is, is there sin that you need to repent of? And secondly, how has your time been in the word of God? Have you guarded that? Have you allowed him to take over and dominate and permeate? Okay, to be more dominated by the Spirit of God to be, is to be dominated by the Word of God. The Spirit, by the way, is not the Word of God. He is the second person of the Trinity. He is the author of the Word of God. But it is what the Spirit uses. That is, that's why in Ephesians, it's called the sword of the what? Of the Spirit. It's not your sword. Some Christians say, oh, this is my sword. This is my sword. No, the text says, sword of the Spirit. And let me tell you, you preach Christ, you honor Christ, you share Christ, you use the Word of God. The Spirit uses it mightily in people's lives. Now, I want to talk about Spirit empowering, but I think I need to stop because it's already long. So, Depend on the Spirit for change. Well, how do you depend? Let the Word of Christ richly dwell. I want to be in fellowships that teach the Word of God. I want to be at church where I hear the Word of God. I want to spend my time in the Word of God reading and meditating. I want to be with men or I want to be with women who challenge me in the Word of God. I want the Word of God 
Not, I don't want to study the Word of God. I want the Word of God to study me. If I don't live according to the Word of God, it's because I'm wrong and I need to change. And my thought patterns need to change. And all of us have those little blind spots that we don't know. All of you. I do too. And God, by His grace, brings His fresh Word Allows me to see it, and you're able to confess and repent, and you know, oh yes, I'm filled again. I'm filled again. I'm going to be controlled by the truth of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your spirit. Help us to praise you. Thank you for this wonderful Lord's Day, Jesus' name.